Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 369, and today we are talking about books being released on July 5th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! How's it going? Good, how about you? It's going pretty good! Pretty good! It's lovely here in Maine. Um, I'm currently looking at not one, but two cat bellies over here on my reading (laughs) nest. They like to get on my reading nest when I'm working, just to, like, brag. They're like, look at us, (laughs) we don't have jobs you support us. We're sleeping, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about books, but before we do that, uh, I thought I'd give you like a little update on the card catalog situation because the last time we recorded, I was about to go get one and lots of things have happened since then. And it turns out that so many of you are excited about card catalogs. I love it. I love it. And there have been some updates. So, I did indeed go and pick up this card catalog. I brought my cousin, who is a very large person, uh, because I am not. And (laughs) it was not as heavy as I had been told, which is good. But it was still quite heavy. And he and some people moved it into my truck. And it was great. We got it into the house. However, the drawers are not nearly as big as I thought that they would be. Like, in my mind, I remembered the drawers being, like, like a lot taller. But actually, in actuality, the front of the drawers where the handles are, are quite tall, but the sides of the drawers are like very, very short because you're just putting like three oh. by five index cards in them. Because I was thinking like, I'm going to store all kinds of great stuff in here, but no, it would all just fall out and, and nothing would stay in. Mm-hmm. They would work really well as like subway cars for Fisher Price people, maybe. But like, other than that, they're like, they're like too short, you know. So I was like, I decided I'm going to catalog all my books. Because why wouldn't I, right? Like, mm-hmm. it didn't, e- I don't know why it didn't occur to me for the longest time when I was getting one of these. I've just always wanted one. But I decided to catalog my books. So I got a ton of index cards and I started writing them out last night. And I did about 80 in two hours. So I have around 4,000 books. And I'll oh be doing this for a while. Um, my hand is already tired. But, and I just wrote out some basics, right? I just mm-hmm. wrote like author name, title. Um, like fiction or nonfiction, like if it's science fiction or if it's a memoir, you know, and like the format, like if it's a hardcover or a paperback galley or whatever. And it was really fun. And so many people have been like, show us photos of your progress, like document this, you know. So I took photos of it. And now like a couple of strangers on the internet are card catalog shaming me for not <laughs> typing them out. They're like, oh, I'm so disappointed you didn't use a typewriter. 
like, uh, okay, well, you continue to be disappointed because <laughs> it's not happening. You know, like when I was a little kid, my mom would bring me to the library and they would make me do all the things that none of them wanted to do. The librarians like put the plastic on the jackets and I would have to type <laughs> the cards for the card catalog and you would always mess up and there was like white out all over them and I hated doing it. And even if you gave me a typewriter now, I probably wouldn't do it. And also like, I will do whatever I want with my cards. I will write them in Comic <laughs> Sans. If I want to, like, I don't, don't push me. So I'm pretty wound up about the card catalog, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. I named it Agnes after a librarian that my mom used to work with who was really cool. And yeah, my husband is totally sold on it now. Now that it's in the house, he's like, this is beautiful. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep talking about it because I really don't have anything else (laughs) that is making me happy these days. And also I discovered that While I was working on writing out the cards last night, I looked at my Fitbit and my resting heart rate dropped lower than I had ever seen it while I was awake since I got my Fitbit like six years ago. So it's doing wonders for my health as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Until I read that thing about, you know, oh, you should be using a typewriter and then. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. People fixate on weird things. I don't know. Yeah. So that's my card catalog rant for the day. And now I, I have a few days off. I was like, I'll take a few days off uh, because I didn't get to have vacation because I had COVID. You know, so I will take a few days off and uh, just fill up the card catalog. And now I'm like 80 in two hours. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, so. I have a typewriter. So by our powers combined, we have <laughs> an old-fashioned library. Yeah. But I mean... You know, I screwed up just writing things down, like, several Mm -hmm. times last night. And so, you know, and I remember typing them as a kid, and, like, you would make a mistake, and you would have to get the white out, and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and the cards were always, like, cream-colored card stock, and the white out would stand out, but, like, they didn't care, you know, and, you know, free child labor, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know. Uh, But before I say any more about that, uh, let's hear from a sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. All right. Yeah. So that's still my big news and will probably be my big news for a very long time. But again, I just want to say how delighted I am by how excited people are about card catalogs. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have anything exciting to add before we uh, we Uh. get going here on books? Nothing that compares to a card catalog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, then, I'm just going to jump into my first pick, which is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Zevin is the author of The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, which is going to be, mm, I want to say a movie soon, but it might be a TV show, um, which is exciting. And... Also, the book Young Jane Young, which came out a few years ago, which I loved. I feel like it didn't get enough attention, but I thought it was excellent. So I highly recommend that one, too. And for this one, 
I kind of don't even want to tell you about it because I don't want to spoil any of the magic. Also, in watching Jeopardy last night, I discovered that tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow comes from a soliloquy in Macbeth, which I did not know until last night. Thank you, Jeopardy. But this is a novel about two friends, Sam and Sadie. They meet when they're young at a hospital. Sam is a patient there, and Sadie is there visiting her sister, who is very ill. And they discover that they both love video games and talk about video games. And years later, somehow I wrote Years Lantern. I don't know what that means, but years later, they run into one another again in Boston. They're both going to school. And they begin a friendship and a partnership, again, bonding over their love of video games. Sam and Sadie go on to create video games and become very successful at it, like rich and successful at it. They go on to start a company along with Sam's college roommate, Marks. This novel covers 30 years in their lives, and it's about their love and their friendship, and it's about betrayal and connection. And while the characters in this novel make games, they make video games, and there is a lot of discussion about video games. I don't think that you need to play video games or even really know about them to find this magical and accessible. Like, yes, it is an epic nerd purr to read about some of the games that you love and to hear them talk about gaming, but I, I don't think that that it should put you off from reading it if you're like, I don't play video games or know anything about them. Um, there's also a lot of pop culture references from the last couple of decades. Wait, no, we're in the 21st century now. From the 80s and 90s, <laughs> I should say. Um, and I really enjoyed that too. But it's really a novel about these characters. It's a novel about these people who are real and they're flawed. And it's also about how you can have a love for someone without it having to be romantic or sexual, even though society is trying to pressure you into choosing one of those. You know, And it's about having dreams. Zevin is the key factor in this novel. Like... She makes such beautiful, magical stories. Like, I just described this novel to you, and I didn't tell you a plot that was that different from anything else. I mean, yeah, it's about video games, but it's not, like, really unusual, like, nothing you've ever heard. And yet, this book is feels like it's nothing, like, nothing I've ever read before. Because her writing is magic. That's all I, that's all I can say about it. It, like, casts a spell over you. And I just, I absolutely loved it. I'm interviewing her... Uh, in two weeks, and I cannot wait. Um, I do want to give some content warnings for mentions of racism, ableism, homophobia, suicide, chemical use, violence, illness, and loss of a loved one. It is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin. I can't believe you missed the biggest story about this release, which is that they made the actual video game Emily Blaster. So well, that was, what I was gonna, that was what I was going to say next. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to miss that. You no, gotta play no. There's, I haven't played it, but they're, they made... So Random House went ahead and made an actual video game based on the Emily Dickinson game from this book, which you can play online. At first, the press release was kind of confusing. It was explaining how they were giving it to certain booksellers to try oh. out. And I, I thought that meant that like none of us could play it except for them, but... No, it's like a, a game for everybody. But I, I haven't actually gone to, to try it. Have you tried it? I haven't tried it, but I've seen so much about it. And I, yeah. just the idea of a video game based on the poems of Emily Dickinson is amazing. <laughs> well, the thing about it is that a lot of a lot of places picked it up, but they it just says like, you know, Emily Dickinson video game, like completely leaving out the fact that it came from this book in the yeah. headlines, you know? So yeah. It was very strange. 
But yes, 8-Bit Emily Dickinson. So what have you got for us? Yeah, my first pick is Florida Woman by Deb Rogers. So this is about Jamie, who has always lived a bit of a bumpy life. Her dad left when she was young, and her mom took off with a new boyfriend not long afterwards. She and her brother weathered the foster care system together until he was arrested for dealing drugs. And since then, she's just been working minimum wage jobs with very few connections, just scraping by. But one strange night changed her life forever, and not for the better. A combination of bad decisions and unlikely circumstances turned her into Twitter's main character of the day, a Florida woman headline. All she wants to do is put her head down, serve her time in community service, and wait for this to blow over. In this worst time of her life, though, she has stumbled on some luck. She has a lawyer who's willing to take her on pro bono, and her lawyer has secured a sweet community service opportunity that seems more like volunteerism than something comparable to jail time. So she is going to volunteer for a macaque monkey sanctuary. She'll have her room and board paid for, and she'll serve out her time in the Florida jungle, helping to prepare the monkey's food, clean up after them, generally be helpful. She was fully expecting to spend time behind bars, so this is an incredible opportunity, even if she does have to wear an ankle monitor. When she arrives at the sanctuary, Atlas, she finds the three full-time staff members are a very close-knit group of women, uh, maybe worryingly close, but she is really enamored with them. They are definitely hippie types. They believe that the monkeys have spiritual wisdom to share with them, and Jamie can't help but be envious of the way they move through life, and she yearns to belong to this community. Meanwhile, interspersed with Jamie's chapters are excerpts from the Sanctuary's website, which includes ominous lines like, We are a supportive circle, but remember, circles are closed for safety and wholeness. You are either with us or against us. There is no other way. So Jamie sleeps in her own hut deep in the jungle, away from the other women. She swears she can hear the monkeys screaming at night, but she is told that she's dreaming it or confusing it with other noises. This is a story that has a creeping sense of unease, which pairs well with the oppressive, dizzying heat and humidity of Jamie's surroundings. Atlas feels a little cult-like, but Jamie is completely bought in. She is vulnerable on multiple levels, and she desperately wants to be part of this community who seems to accept her and value her, even knowing her embarrassing headlines. She devotes herself to them and Atlas, ignoring the red flags that pop up, and as readers, we're just waiting for this house of cards to come down. I feel like with slow burn suspense like this in a story, it can turn out a couple of ways. One is that you get what you're anticipating the entire time, and it feels like they were just dragging out the story that they had. Or in the case of this book it can just slowly keep gathering steam towards an explosion at the end. So while this book starts off fairly slow moving, it is effective in building tension, and that definitely paid off. 
I will also say this has a sapphic main character, but it is far from a romance. I wasn't sure exactly what genre this was going into it. Is it horror, lit fic, thriller? And to be honest, I'm still not sure by the end. I'd say thriller meets lit fic would probably be the closest to accurate. This was a compelling read, especially with that fascinating setting. And definitely, if you're an animal lover, I think this will be interesting to you, though there is some harm to animals. So check the content warnings for that. I was really invested in Jamie, who is so hungry for connection that she is willing to overlook a lot to find it. This is a thriller. So like I said, I recommend looking at content warnings, especially because some of them would be spoilers for specific reveals. So I don't want to list them all out here. And that is Florida Woman by Deb Rogers. Well, all right. I'm glad that you brought up animals because that is a great segue for my (laughs) next selection which is 100 Animals That Can Effing End You by Mamadou Ndai. Uh, Ndai is a TikTok star, which I know from reading the jacket, not because I've, I've seen it. I still still not done the TikTok thing, but someday. And this is just a really fun book. It would make a really great present. And it's about nature and animals. And, like, I have a backyard with, like, feeders and all the stuff, and I watch the squirrels and the chipmunks and the birds and... My husband says I have, like, this Disney-fied version of our backyard because I'm like, oh, that did this because maybe it thought this. And he's like, you're completely guessing the intentions of animals and you don't know what they're doing at all. You know, but I'd be like, oh, that bird didn't come today because this and that, you know. And I just, I love watching nature. It's also good for your your resting heart rate to watch nature. And so Mamadou and I has taken some really great animals, you know, that are both fearsome and not, and shared some facts about them that you might not know that are absolutely terrifying. And I don't think that I could do better than the descriptions of the ones from the book. Um, And also because I read it so long ago now, I'm forgetting. But there's a sperm whale that has a call so strong it can vibrate you to death. There's a golf ball-sized octopus that can erase 26 people with one bite. There's a thing about hyenas who eat their prey while it is still alive. And a snake that can strike you three times so quickly you can't even finish blinking before it happens. And that's just like a taste of like what is in this book. There's a big photo, like a colored photo with each animal. And he writes these funny descriptions and these funny things about their attitudes and like the horrible, horrible things that they could do to people. And so that is a hundred animals that can effing end you by Mamadou and Dai, and I just want to also bring up this book I just read last night. I was getting ready for bed, and I was in the middle of reading this serial killer book about cannibals, and I thought, hmm, maybe I should read something nicer before I go to sleep. And I remember that I had picked up this book that came out a few weeks ago called Expedition Backyard by Rosemary Mosco and illustrated by Binglin Hu. And Rosemary Mosco has a few books out now. She is an author and a naturalist. Her books are about nature. And this is a really cute graphic novel, like aimed at middle grade, but perfect for everybody, about these two animals, Mole and Vole. And they go on these expeditions. Every morning, Vole bursts into Mole's place and says, we're going on an adventure. And they meet all these animals in the country and in the city, and we learn things about them. Well, they also have, like, these funny adventures, and it's really cute. And Rosemary Mosco is also the person behind the comic 
Bird and Moon, which I only recently learned of. Um, you can look at them on Instagram. And they're just these really, really funny comics about true things that happen in nature. And you also learn things. Like, I was reading so many of them online last night. And I learned that a slow loris, like that cute little gray, like, raccoon teddy bear looking thing with the big giant eyes, is venomous. Number one. First of all, I learned the difference between venomous and poisonous. Venomous means that something can inject poison into you. Poisonous just means, like, you could get sick from holding something or ingesting something. So there you learned something new today. Maybe. I don't know. And the slow loris also has two tongues. Like, who knew? And I also learned that chipmunks, these cute little things that I watch run around my yard all day long, eat mice and baby birds, which is not a thing that that I expected from chipmunks, which they did not cover in Chip and Dale or the Rescue Rangers ever. Um, I guess that's why we didn't see them sit down for dinner or breakfast or lunch. And I just, I love learning stuff like this, you know, because I feel like I read a lot of books like this, but I still am learning all kinds of things. Uh, So you can check out those comics at birdandmoon.com or you can find them on Instagram and you can pick up this adorable book and it's called Expedition Backyard by Rosemary Moscow and illustrated by Bing Lin Hu. If you want to join TikTok, now is the time because you could just do like a calming music as you fill out your cards for your card catalog. Uh... And yeah. people would love it. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. Right? It, and what could be more soothing for a book lover than that? <laughs> All right. I have a very non-soothing pick. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> and that's Bad Things Happen Here by Rebecca Barrow. So one of my favorite YA books is This Is What It Feels Like by Rebecca Barrow. So when I saw that she was coming out with another sapphic YA book, I knew I had to pick it up. But while This Is What It Feels Like is a heartwarming slice of life story, Bad Things Happen Here is a sun-drenched murder mystery about the dark side of a postcard-perfect island getaway. So Luca lives in Paris with two R's, which is a wealthy island town that looks like paradise, but it has a long history of mysterious deaths of young women. This includes Luca's best friend, who was found dead several years ago, and the death was controversially ruled an accident, but Luca doesn't believe that. The inhabitants of Paris explain away these deaths with campfire stories of Paris being haunted or cursed, but really they seem to believe this is a series of unrelated coincidences. Luca, though, believes in the curse, and she feels it creeping up on her, and that feeling only intensifies when she returns home one day to find a police car outside her house. Her sister, Whitney, is the latest victim of the curse, and she appears to have been murdered. Luca can't trust the police to find out the truth, so she is determined to do it herself, not just for her sister's sake, but also to try to find a way to escape facing a similar fate. As she starts digging, though, she finds that the rot in Paris spreads further than she could have imagined, and everyone in this town is keeping secrets. This is a mystery in two parts. One is the murder mystery of what happened to Whitney specifically, while the other is about what's going on in Paris in general. I think some people will find the ending frustrating because one of these mysteries gets a neat, satisfying puzzle conclusion, while the other is a lot messier. 
To me, though, that was a positive. I think it perfectly fit the story that Barrow was trying to tell. And even if everything doesn't slot neatly in place, it does complete Luca's story in a satisfying way. Luca is a really interesting character, especially contrasted with her former friend, Jada. Luca, Jada, and Polly all used to be best friends until Polly's death. But while Luca doesn't fit in on Paris because she is fat, black, queer, and mentally ill, she is also very wealthy, and she is often classist towards Jada, who is from one of the few middle-class families on the island. Polly and Luca even used to secretly hang out just the two of them when they didn't want to be dragged down by Jada not having the same amount of spending money as they did. Although Jada isn't a very prominent side character, this dynamic added a lot of depth. Both Jada and Luca resent each other for not seeing their realities, and they're both dismissive of each other's grievances. I do want to give a very big content warning for self-harm for this title, and speaking of Luca's mental health, because it comes up quite frequently along with her suicide ideation. It's interesting because in some ways, this is a great summer read. It's set on an island in the summer, and the rich people murder mystery has lots of reveals and drama. And on the other hand, this is a dark read that's equally about Luca's isolation and pain. It's also a novel about the inescapable horrors of wealth inequality and the obscene power that a tiny fraction of the population holds. This is a very different read from This Is What It Feels Like, but no less captivating. And I appreciate how Barrow weaves in broader societal issues into her novels, no matter the genre. I also admire an author willing to subvert audience expectations in service of the story, even when it might frustrate some readers. I am definitely interested in what she writes next. And that's Bad Things Happen Here by Rebecca Barrow. I don't know if I, I said this is actually was out last week, but nobody talked about it. So I took it. Well, all right. Uh, so those are books that we have read and we are excited about. And now we are going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and in paperback that we are excited about, but haven't necessarily read. I am going to kick it off with one I have read, which is Night of the Living Res, stories by Morgan Talty. This is a debut collection. It's out from Tin House who I just love, 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 love everything they do. And I was very excited because it's set in Maine, which is where I am. So I always try to read all the Maine books that I can. And this collection has been getting so much buzz, like so much buzz. It's on every anticipated list of the year. I've been hearing about it for a while. It is 12 stories about being Native in America in the 21st century. It is about the Penobscot people in Maine, many of whom are living in poverty, and their painful history and present-day struggles and joys, and their stories are told through the eyes of a character named David. There's a story about an old woman with Alzheimer's who thinks her grandson is her dead brother, a young boy who opens a bottle that he doesn't know what's in it, and it actually contains a curse and dooms his family, Uh, a couple of friends who decide to rob the tribal museum after being inspired by the Antiques Roadshow, The stories are funny and sad and so, so well written. Like I said, there's a young man named David who narrates them. They start in his teens and go through his 20s. And we get to see David as sometimes he's a dumb kid making bad decisions, you know, and sometimes as he's a kid in which 
bad decisions are made for him, you know, and also we get to see him growing as an adult. I was very disappointed because I missed Morgan Telty at a NEBA event. I did not get there in time to see him speak, but more than one person who I asked if they saw him use the words rock star. Apparently he was just amazing to listen to. So I hope that I do get to see him do some events soon. And I am just going to be so bold. I said it on the Nerdette podcast when I was a guest last week, and I will say it again now. I'm going to be so bold as to say National Book Award long list for this collection. Like, I would not at all be surprised to see it. It's that good. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of animal death, racism, sexual assault, sexual abuse of a child, mental illness, loss of a loved one, child death, chemical use and abuse, and violence. That is Night of the Living Res, stories by Morgan Talty. All right. I have a couple of mysteries out today that I am excited about, but I haven't read yet. The first is Death by Bubble Tea by Jennifer J. Chow. It's hard to imagine you're not already sold by that title, but I'll go on. This is the first book in the LA Night Market series. It's from the author of Mimi Lee Gets a Clue, which is the Sassy Cat series. So if you want to read about a woman and her talking cat named Marshmallow solving crimes, definitely check that one out. But Death by Bubble Tea follows Yale Yi, whose cousin Celine is visiting from Hong Kong. They haven't seen each other in 20 years, so Yale's dad decides that they can bond over running a food stall together, selling snacks and drinks from his restaurant. Yale recently lost her job at the bookstore, and she was a cook years ago, so she agrees. Celine's experience as a social media marketer comes in surprisingly useful as she finds ways to draw customers in. But just as their stall is showing modest success, they hit a tiny bump in the road when someone dies immediately after drinking their bubble tea. And Celine's addition of gold flakes, decorative flakes to the drink is blamed. So now the two cousins have to find a way to work together and solve the mystery to save both themselves and Yale's father's business. This one looks to be a slow building mystery that's just as much about Celine and Yale's relationship as it is about the murder. They are opposites. Yale believes that Celine is spoiled and wants nothing to do with her, while Yale is so awkward that Celine has trouble communicating with her. Yale is a careful, frugal person, while Celine is relaxed and a big spender. But between the food stall and the murder investigation, they have no choice but to find a way to get along. Of course, this is a foodie, cozy mystery, so don't pick this one up when you're hungry. There are lots of descriptions of the food that they're selling. Also, I am craving bubble tea now. So if you want a cozy, foodie mystery about family, check out Death by Bubble Tea by Jennifer J. Chow. And then I also want to talk about this other mystery out today called Miss Aldridge Regrets by Louise Hare. This is about Lena Aldridge, who is at a low point in her life. She is a mixed-race person passing as white in 1930s London, dreaming of becoming a star. In the meantime, though, she is a singer in a seedy nightclub, and to make matters worse, her lover just left her, which isn't totally unexpected since he is married. But then she gets the opportunity of a lifetime. A stranger offers her a starring role on Broadway and a first-class ticket on the Queen Mary together. What could go wrong? 
This happens at just the right time, too, since the nightclub's awful owner just died in front of her, and she'd rather avoid the investigation since she is probably the most obvious suspect. But she is not able to escape from the specter of death so easily. A member of a wealthy family on the Queen Mary is killed in a way very similar to the nightclub murder. And unexpectedly, the family pulls Lena into their mourning. And now there's high stakes to keeping them from finding out that there's a connection between her and the murderer, which is made more difficult by how increasingly strange this family is behaving. So this is told in two timelines. You have the present aboard the Queen Mary and then the weeks leading up to the nightclub murder. Of course, this is just as much a historical novel as it is a murder mystery with the rise of Nazism playing out in the background. It's also a family drama with the strange cast of characters that is this wealthy family and the relationships that they have with each other. Lena seems like a really compelling character fighting to survive in a setting hostile to her on several levels. Also, I can't help but be intrigued by any murder on an ocean liner story. The killer is on the boat with you. It's a locked liner mystery. And that title again is Miss Aldridge Regrets by Louise Hare. All right. Before I tell you about my last one, we're going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, so my last pick for today is actually one that I have not read yet, but it was worth mentioning. It is Life Ceremony Stories by Sayaka Murata and translated by Ginny Tapley Takamori. I'm mentioning this briefly because Murata is also the author of Convenience Store Woman, which was a big hit, I know, with Book Riot readers and Book Riot contributors. And it was also uh, translated by Ginny Tapley Takamori. Uh, and it's about a young woman who gets a job working at a convenience store in Japan. And she is so happy there. And her family wants her to move on. And she doesn't understand why. And Murata also had a novel that came out last year, I think, called Earthlings. Which is weirder and more messed up than the cute hedgehog on the cover would have you believe. And Life Ceremony is 12 stories that the publisher says are humor and horror that portray both the loners and outcasts as well as turning the norms and traditions of society on their head to better question them. Which sounds like a lot of fun. They're apparently set in the present and in the future and in alternate realities. So I hope to read this soon because it sounds incredible. It is Life Ceremony Stories by Sayaka Murata and translated by Ginny Tabley Takamori. I've heard such great things about her books. I haven't tried them yet, but everyone seems to love them. Oh, yeah. I haven't read this one, but the other two I love. And yeah. uh, this is her first collection translated into English, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. All right. I also want to talk about a paperback release out today, which is Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. This book actually came out in 2020, but it's just going into paperback today. So this is a YA novel in verse about two half-sisters who are brought together by their father's death. Yahara lives in New York City with her mother and father, while Camino lives in the Dominican Republic and only sees her father once a year. Yahara has recently learned about Camino's existence and the real reason for her father's yearly visits to the Dominican Republic, and she is furious. She won't even speak to her father because she is so angry at him for keeping this from her. But on one of his trips, his plane crashes and he dies, and they're both separately completely lost in their grief. 
Yahara's mother is trying to make funeral arrangements, unsure whether it should be in New York City or the Dominican Republic. Distant family members are showing up at their door asking for a piece of the settlement money. Yahara's friends and teachers don't know how to talk to her anymore. Meanwhile, Camino is left orphaned and vulnerable. Her private school is asking for the tuition her father usually provided, and the future as a doctor that she's worked so hard for is in danger. She is being recruited into sex work by a man who was once paid by her father to leave her alone. Her options are running out, and she is willing to take a desperate risk to save herself. I really appreciated the complexity of even the side characters in this novel— also, Yahara has a girlfriend, and it was nice to see a YA novel with an established FF couple. This is a thoughtful, poignant story about grief. My only complaint when I read this is that I would have liked to see more of the sisters together, because that was the element that I was really intrigued by, but that is a very minor complaint. And that is the paperback release of Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. I also want to give a quick shout out to a graphic novel out today that is called Wash Day Diaries by Jamila Rouser and Robin Smith. I always find it difficult to talk a lot about a short graphic novel, and especially if I haven't actually read it yet, but I do want to put it on your radar. This is a graphic novel that follows four Black best friends in the Bronx, Kim, Tanisha, Devine, and Cookie, in five interconnected short stories. It uses hair routines as the framing mechanism to explore each of these characters and their relationships to each other. It touches on family, mental health, depression in particular, dating, careers, and more. But it's mostly about these four friends supporting each other and caring about each other. This one is getting such great reviews. I've only heard great things about it. Of the almost 500 ratings it has on Goodreads, more than 90% or are four or five stars, with most of them five stars. So definitely check this one out. And that is Wash Day Diaries by Jamila Rouser and Robin Smith. All right. So... That is books we've read, books we're excited about, books that come out today. And now it is time for the paperback release lightning round. I'm going to kick it off with The Inheritance of Orquita Divina by Sarita Cordova. We talked about it on the September 7th show. It is a speculative novel, her first adult novel, about the matriarch of a family who is dying and she calls her family together. Uh, and they learn a little bit about some powers that they might inherit. There's Not a Happy Family by Shari Lapina, which I talked about on the July 27th show, which is a murder mystery about these horrible parents, horrible, rich, entitled parents who are terrible to their three adult children, uh, and they are murdered, and now you have to figure out which one of the kids did it. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite novels, the one I think I reread the most last year, uh, is Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Coopersmith, which I talked about on the July 6th show. It is just this incredible, speculative, scary, fascinating novel about the death of two women several decades apart uh, in Vietnam and the ghosts and the specters in their lives that are like and it kind of goes back and forth in time it's so 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 good and speaking of ghosts ghosts by dolly alderton is out today in paperback about a woman who is ghosted by a man she meets on a dating app there's harrow by joy williams joy williams is one of those writers writers like 
I first heard about her from writers that I admire. Like, they all seem to love her. And I picked up some of her stuff, and she's amazing. She's been nominated for the Pulitzer before, and this new novel is about an environmental apocalypse. And speaking of the environment, there's Appleseed by Matt Bell, whose science fiction novel about climate change is out in paperback today. There is Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder about a new mother who thinks she might be turning into a dog. This one was just announced. The rights were purchased. It's going to be either a film or a television show. I can't remember, but that's pretty exciting. One of the big thrillers of last year is out in paperback today. It is We Were Never Here by Andrea Bartz about two friends who go on a backpacking trip that goes horribly wrong when one of them kills a man they meet and she claims it was self-defense. Creatures of Passage by Maroa Yejide is out today. This was longlisted for the 2022 Women's Prize for Fiction. It's about a young woman. She is a taxi driver with a 1967 Plymouth Belvedere that also happens to have a ghost in the trunk, and she is giving people rides as well as trying to figure out who killed her brother. In nonfiction, there is The Case of the Murderous Dr. Cream, The Hunt for a Victorian-Era Serial Killer by Dean Job which is the true story of Dr. Thomas Neil Cream, who murdered as many as 10 people in the United States, Britain, and Canada over a span of 15 years at the in the late 1800s. And at that time, it was unprecedented. The people did not know that someone could murder that many people uh, at one time or, you know, over time. Uh, and of course, now it happens all the time, but it's very interesting from a historical perspective to hear about people not realizing serial killers were a thing. In children's books, moving on to something more pleasant, there's Nura and the Immortal Palace by M.T. Khan, which is a middle-grade portal fantasy. There's Blood Like Magic by Lizelle Sambury, which is the start of a series, uh, a YA dark urban fantasy about a young teen witch who fails her trial to become a witch, which means that her entire line will be stripped of their powers unless she can uh, take a new test and manage to pass. There's The Light Always Breaks by Angela Jackson Brown, which is a paperback original today. It's a historical romance set in civil rights era Washington, D.C. about a black restaurant owner. Dream On by Angie Hawkman is another paperback original out today in which the main character is in a car accident and she, when she wakes up, she asks about her boyfriend, Devin, only to find out that her family and friends tell her that there, she does not have a boyfriend named Devin and yet a year later, she runs into him. And also, 1,000 Coils of Fear by Olivia Wenzel and translated by Priscilla Lane. This is another paperback original out today. It's about a black German woman living in Berlin and New York during the chaos of the 2016 presidential election in the United States. So those are some paperbacks that you can pick up today, which is very exciting. Danica, what are you going to read next? I'm going to read Fine, a comic about gender by Rhea Ewing. I've read like the first 10 pages, and this is a graphic nonfiction book about gender, about Ewing interviewing a bunch of people about their feelings about gender and then including their own experiences. And within the first like five, 10 pages, I already had to pull out a notebook and start journaling about what are my thoughts about gender? What are my feelings? I am already really intrigued and I'm enjoying it so far. What are you going to read, Liberty? Well, I want to read 1000 Coils of Fear by Olivia Mm. Wenzel, which I just mentioned earlier. Um, It is on my short stack to pick up. And I also have been reading some backlist mass markets recently. Like I like to go through a whole series. So I did the Agent Pendergast series. 
I started rereading the John Sanford books, and I decided I wanted to switch it up and read a series that I hadn't read before, like some just ridiculous mystery thriller things uh, that, I don't know if this one's actually ridiculous, but I picked up The Quiet Game by Greg Isles, which is the first in his Pen Cage series, because um, they're like candy to me. Like, I just sit down and read them in between things and in between, like, work reading, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. There's only seven in this one, unlike the other two in which there's, like, 20 and 30-something, I think. So, books! Books, books, books! <laughs> I never get tired of talking about books. <laughs> so much fun! And it was so much fun talking with you, Danica, and talking about books today, and I thank you for joining me, and I thank you, I thank you to our sponsors. <laughs> Let me try speaking. I would like to thank our sponsors. I would also like to thank our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who will probably have to take that out. And if you want to drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com and tell us your thoughts, what you're reading, your pet pictures. Thank you to all you lovely people who continue to send us emails with pictures of your pets like, including your horses and your lizards, and it's just, it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, again, that's all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Danica hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at lesbrary. I mostly hang out on Instagram at friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search bookriot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.